Digital 410 Productions proudly presents the What's in Your Head podcast. Digitized live from the ACT Computer Studios in Cape Coral, Florida, it's the What's in Your Head podcast with your hosts Gordon and Don Abernathy. What's up, what's up, what's up, OG5, for those of you guys streaming live, uh, pardon a little black screen there, that actually wasn't me, that was everything just kind of freezing up when I went to switch from the splash screen over to the live feed, but what was that, Gordon just dropped like a wine bottle, he's being a complete alcoholic, making a hot mess of himself, what's going on Gordon? Changing it up a little. Got scotch today. Scotch, scotch, scotch. Uh, it's going well, actually. Uh, what have you been up to? Oh, uh, just what I'm always up to. <laughs> More fishing and working out and working. Well, I want to play something for you. It's only going to be about five bars. But it's something that's driving me nuts. Okay, time out. Hold on, stop. Now, I listen to a lot of hip-hop, but I'm white, and I get that. What exactly is the definition of a bar? I was wondering this the other day because I hear, oh, I'll give you eight bars. I'll give you four bars. I've been known to to spit a freestyle myself, but I don't know exactly what a bar is. What is a bar? Do you know, have you ever read music? Mm, I've looked at music. I can't read music. You know how the notes are between two two lines, vertical lines? Mm -hmm. It's kind of your bar. But what does eight bars mean in hip hop? Uh, Who knows? Because they all say it like they all know what the hell they're talking about. Like, oh, give me four bars. <clears throat> now, not to be a dick, but if you're just making music on sampling music on a laptop, how? I mean, let's, most people in rock bands can't read music, right? Good chunk of them. Okay, so how many hip hop artists can read sheet music to know what a bar is? So done in hip hop. Yep. Like bars refer to a rapper's lyrics, especially when considered extremely good. So per so is one word a bar, or is four words one bar? Is a sentence a bar? Is two sentences a bar? That's my question. What are eight bars in rap? Yeah, we'll get right to the number you're asking about. If a song Please. has three verses or more, it'll probably be sixteen bars each verse. So one verse. If a song has two verses, it'll probably have 24 bars. A hook or chorus is eight bars. Okay, so instead of saying a verse, they say, give me eight bars. Pretty much. Why has everything got to be so difficult? Why can't, well, is there no, because is hip hop, is the hip hop music structure in that such of a way that it's not, you know, it, it's. Why does it have to be a tongue twister? <laughs> is it not considered a verse, bridge, hook? I mean, I guess not, maybe. Well, the, the as defined by the mighty expert, at least in music, a bar is one small segment of music that holds a number of beats. Now, Michael says eight bars in music is 32 beats. But what is it in hip hop? That is a good question. Hip, hip hop, hip hop anonymous. It's whatever they. But want anyhow, to you're getting ready to say something. When I told you I've been doing a lot of fishing, this. I'm going to give you an earworm, and you're probably going to be mad at me the rest of the day. Okay. I'm just going to do it off my phone. Am I the only one when I hear the phrase earworm? Think of the scene from Star Trek: The Next Voyage. You're going to wish <laughs> you had that in your ear. Okay. Ready? Yep. The song I'm sick of. Yeah, especially if you're on TikTok. 
my God, if I hear that. And then that gay little dance they do with it usually. Not to offend any um, homosexuals, just I'm trying to offend country people right now. You know, that just uh, reminded me. I was thinking in the shower, I was going to go on Twitter for part of my show prep and look up snotty tweets from chicks. This can get me so much trouble. And call it tweets from twats. <laughs> I got to think Well, if it's a tweet from a twat, aren't they just twatting? Well, my whole thing was is, you know, the word twat was used quite a bit when we were young, and especially by females. Females would call other females twats more than anybody else, really, right? You think it's time for them to dust off the old twat? And I was just wondering what happened to the phrase twats, and so I was going to come up with tweets from twats. Just because of the well, words. I always joke that when somebody tweeted, they twatted anyway. Yeah, so. Because if, if you look at most tweets, it's. Yeah. Bad. So I'm trying. Sorry. Goes well with it. I'm trying to get my microphone balanced. It's all over the goddamn place. So I'm actually down at ten <laughs> decibels right now because I don't know. Everything's a hot fucking mess. Um, you guys watch along at home. Can you hear us all right? But yeah, tweets from twats. Maybe that'll be something we'll do next week. Um, speaking of twats, we're all not big fans of CNN, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think all legacy, even Fox, has got some problems. But yes. But one of the things, what the fuck is up with my mic? Why is it so freaking hot? Um, one of the things we try to do here on the What's In Your Head podcast, the Consistently Inconsistent podcast, is to bring back a little bit of honesty, right? Now, yes. Now, anybody's been on TikTok today, there's one thing you have seen, and it's a video clip from a story that was done by a reporter in Afghanistan wearing the burqa. And she's standing in front of a busload. They already brought the burkas back. Well, she she's not in full burka, but you know, whenever you're a reporter, she's got the scarf, right? Well, no, she has the whole headset. She just don't have her face covered up because whenever you're a reporter in a foreign land, especially when foreign lands that have rules as strict as they do, you want to be um, show respect by following their culture, right? Especially in a Muslim countries where they have such strict guidelines about the way women dress. And have you not seen this clip? I have not seen the clip, but I thought that that was one of the things they're going to be concerned with is having to wear the burqas again. Well, it is the goddamn Taliban. So, um, turn on TikTok, and I've seen other people complain about this, and trust me, I'm just, I'm all about hating on CNN. And so this is... This is the long version of the clip that you see because I was just going to open the show with the clip, but then I discovered something, which is why I'm bringing it up. So here is the clip that you probably heard on TikTok today. This is the long version of it. As soon as we leave our compound, it's clear who is now in charge. Taliban fighters have flooded the capital. Smiling and victorious, they took this city of six million people in a matter of hours, barely firing a shot. This is a sight I honestly thought I would never see. Scores of Taliban fighters and just behind us, the U.S. Embassy compound. This is the part that was on TikTok. They're just chanting death to America, but they seem friendly at the same time. And so everybody's like, oh my God, CNN being honest, see that? They're screaming death to America, but they seem so friendly at the same time. And I guess you could see why people might get a little upset about that, being, you know, what it is and what's going on, right? Well, as the devil was to tell you you're going to die, is he going to do it in any voice or is he going to do it with a smile? Well, that's not even – and yes, that's a good good thing. But once again – now, 
the people on the right, the Trump lovers and all that, because, you know, they're just using this as here's more reason that CNN's evil people. They hate the United States, yada, yada, yada. Right. Right. Well, and so I went out to record that clip because I was just going to open up the show with the abbreviated version and say, way to be consistent, CNN. And then I was going to go about my day. But talk about being consistent. The people who are using this are the Trump lovers and all that, and, and and rightfully so. The people who always say, CNN, you guys are always taking things out of context. You're never playing the full version, yada, yada, yada. So imagine my surprise, not really surprise, but information. Hey, cat. When I discovered that that clip is the abbreviated clip, Gordon, imagine that. Could you? No. Really? Not even on the right side? Yeah, the right side they do it too. Yeah, they're both Here just is my shortened version of the unedited clip because this new segment was eight minutes long. As soon as we leave our compound, it's clear who is now in charge. Taliban fighters have flooded the capital. Smiling and victorious, they took this city of six million people in a matter of hours, barely firing a shot. This is a site I honestly thought I would never see. Scores of Taliban fighters and just behind us, the U.S. Embassy compound. They're just chanting death to America, but they seem friendly at the same time. It's utterly bizarre. Isn't it amazing when you cut off two words as an utterly bizarre, it changes the whole context of a sound clip? Whatever it takes to maintain the narrative, whatever side you're on. So it just went from being a here's a CNN reporter in Afghanistan and a burqa standing in front of a truck, a Toyota Hilux, mind you, <laughs> full of Taliban with stolen American weapons, yelling oh, death to get America. The over those. Yelling annoying. death to America and her saying, they're saying death to America, but they seem so friendly because we here at CNN, we're all about the Taliban, too. It's, they're so friendly and it seems so bizarre, which it is bizarre. And as you said, if somebody says they're going to kill you, you're going to do it with a smile on your face to keep them from running away. Mike, I agree with you. A lot of military people are mad about this. All those years of hard work, on not just hard work, but body parts left on the mm-hmm. battlefield, friends left on the battlefield. It's just in brothers. Uh, it, it's speaking of uh, real quick. We'll get to the um, Afghan stuff because <clears throat> Gordon and I both listened to the Dan Crenshaw podcast, and they go into it with a lot better information because one, they're in, they're in they're politicians. They're there. They hear what's going on behind the scenes, and plus, they're both combat veterans. One of them was a Green Beret, and then obviously Dan Crenshaw was a Navy SEAL who lost an eye over there. But um. The other news clip that's going around is the video of the airplane from the Saudi airport where the people were climbing on the side and then there's what appears to be two people falling off the plane as it's circling around taking off. The fall of Saigon was bad, but Kabul said, uh, hold my beer. Well, because that's what I kept remembering was just the images. When they announced this was going to happen and when, and, and it's funny, nobody, I listened to the press conference yesterday and today and nobody went back and took the administration at task about the questions that was asked to Joe Biden last week or, or even before. It's, and one of them was comparing it. Will this be like another fall of Saigon? And he was like, absolutely not. There's this blah, 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 blah. It is not going to happen. 
They never took him to task on that statement, but <clears throat> they did take him, uh, circle back Saki and uh, the Secretary of State to task on uh, a few things that I thought was important. And uh, that will, we could go into that a little later, too. Well, two things, um, and both of them are TikTok related. One, to, to that, <clears throat> yes, no one in the media has, but the very first video I saw yesterday morning was someone went and got that clip of Joe Biden saying, oh, it's not going to be like the fall of Saigon. You're not going to see helicopters lifting people off the roof of the embassy. Cut to Sunday, the helicopter picking people off the roof of the embassy, and the guy's like... But two, uh, back to the Afghan thing. I did a TikTok earlier tonight, and this just goes to show the generational difference. Um, the, the kids who are coming to age now, 17, 18, they weren't... You know, obviously the 20-year-olds were, but they were like one or two. Uh, the generation of kids who weren't alive during 9-11 and, more importantly, the years afterwards. So there was a, a young cat I follow. He he usually puts out pretty good um, content. And I don't unfollow people for doing or saying things I don't agree with. Um, I just still follow them, and I just smirk and, like, okay, you're an idiot. But particular videos, just like I'm sure I say things or do things that not all my followers agree with, and they don't unfollow me as Gordon nods his head, which is fine. Um, but this particular young man, he posted a video that I had to unfollow him just because of... He posted the video of the two guys falling off the airplane, which is not why I unfollowed him. I unfollowed him because he used the background music of Seal's cover of Steve Miller's I Want to Fly Like an Eagle. That's disgusting. And so I did a TikTok saying that. I said, look blah 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 i don't unfollow people but i'm gonna follow you for this the fact that you're using i want to fly like an eagle shows me that you have no um quality you don't have any appreciation for life but then i go and explain these are not two enemy combatants who fell off a plane after trying to hijack the thing correct these are saudi citizens who are so effing petrified of the taliban that all these saudi citizens went to the airport and they flooded the runway because they're trying to get away from the Taliban, right? And they so the Taliban's in Saudi Arabia. Oh, sorry, Afghan. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help myself. Yeah, so uh, basically, Afghan citizens who are trying to get away from the Taliban, and they're flooding the airport, and that's what, and they're climbing Correct. on the side of this airplane. I said these guys are so terrified that in their mind, there's a fraction of a possibility that they could possibly hold on to this airplane during high speeds. That once the thing got to altitude, they fell off, and the fact. You know, these, you know, this go and then I said, this goes to show me that you're so young that you weren't alive during the time that there was news footage of people being burnt alive in cages by the Taliban. And you surely weren't of age when we were watching a video of Daniel Pearl getting his head cut off like a bass being filleted on goddamn YouTube. I never watched it. I watched it one time. I'm I just not into, I've never been into watching maiming or me neither i i I seen it one time and and that was enough for me because i had a friend who was into that stuff but yeah and that just got and the whole burning in cages stuff and so you know to to post oh i want to fly like an eagle as two people fall to their death because they're trying to get the hell away from the taliban it's just gross they're saying seven people died in that whole deal oh wouldn't be surprised the two fell off the plane probably plus stampede getting ran over and everything else I yeah, mean, it, it was, was. I mean, that to, that says everything you need to know about what's going on is those horrific images of uh, Afghanis. Now, the first C one seventeen that lifted that they all piled into that they weren't really supposed to ended up having over six hundred something people in it, which was pushing up against its uh, 
Really? It's a functional limit. Yeah. Don't those things like haul seven Abram tanks at one time or three or four? I was reading that it's actually only about 1,700 square foot of space inside plus another 200 and something near the front. But don't they carry Abrams tanks? Yeah. But you know, like two Abrams tanks heavier than 7,000 people? <laughs> uh, I'm sure these people are less than 200 pounds. I was going to say that probably pounds, net weight of each person, each adult male is probably 113 pounds. Plus whatever they're carrying, if they're carrying anything else. But yeah, yeah it's still, I mean, it's not comfortable. and. No. uh I can only imagine, you know, but what this goes to show is, uh, you know, our president has, has been known to say some pretty weird shit, like uh, about the two A and and protection of the government, and saying, oh, you need to have F-15s and nuclear bombs against the U- and U.S. government, which is absolutely disgusting, and he should have been taking the task for even saying that. But what has given our military and our government the most heartburn was the Vietnam War. And the Afghan war, and they both had uh, small arms fires and basically goat herders and, and villagers. If you guys want to join in on any of our conversation, give us a call at 239-299-3352. You can see the phone number down in the title of the live stream on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. Once again, that phone number is 239-299-3352. Um, I suggest you go listen to the Dan Crenshaw podcast about this topic. He covers it in great detail. But one of the things that stuck out to me that he said is, we are in fir- uh, we are in a worse position now than we were pre nine eleven because pre nine eleven we had um, allies we had places over there to rely on when we sent in special forces um, we've basically given up all our bases and they said you know the crazy thing is is by us leaving oh first and foremost um, he he kind of blames the in war we don't need a twenty year war crowd and one of the things I didn't know which he brought up and I'm going to say only for the sake of saying only. Um, we only had about 2,500 troops over there, and most of those cats were basically doing Air Force uh, logistics, training, and things like that, with the exception of, like, you know, the special operators. They weren't doing much combat. He said in the last 18 months, we haven't even had a casualty. Or maybe one ca- was Did he say one casualty or no? If there was a casualty, it was probably on base. In the last 18 months over there, we haven't had any casualties. And he said, you have more casualties than that on the home front um, from training, training and drunk driving. So, um, and he also pointed out the fact that we have more troops stationed in China, um, Japan. South Korea is a big one. South Korea. And that was one of the questions Cuba. somebody actually asked today, which I was surprised. And it was a foreign lady. But she asked um, the Secretary of State and Jen Psaki, uh, well, you say that we don't need to be, you know, President Biden said that we don't need to be in countries where there's civil wars. We should not be there. And then they brought up the South Korea thing. Mm-hmm. He said, we've been there forever. And there was a little hemming and a little hawing and not a lot of clear answers, except uh, that's a whole different situation. Yeah. But anyhow, go listen to that podcast. He And the other point is he presented... And he said, you know, I kind of agree with Biden when Biden says, you know, we need to start focusing on Russia and China. But to pull all of our assets out of a country that's bordering or damn near bordering that area, so now we don't even have a runway to launch planes from if need to, or have troops stationed close to that side of the area, it's just a huge blunder. Well, I've kind of had a wild thought. Okay, give it to me. The country that really needs our help the most is just to the south of us because of the cartels. Yeah. That's where our tier needs to be. Wipe those fuckers out. And mm-hmm. I said it, you know, 
wipe out the cartels because they're not only behind the drugs, they're also behind the human trafficking. And that's, to me, that's even a bigger point. Um, You know, drugs suck. They fuck up a lot of lives. But let's be honest, a lot of the lives they fuck, well, at least the people who use the drugs, they do them willingly. Their families, not so much. But the sex trafficking and that horrific shit, that is just fucking gross. All the people they're bringing across the border right now. I mean, a lot of those illegal immigrants or undocumented people are... It's all under the control of the um, of the uh, cartels. I don't know what I was listening to. I, I was listening to something today, and I heard a, st- a stat that like thirty to forty percent of the women on the border that get try to come over here get basically sold into sex life. Forty yeah. percent. And who knows how many little girls and boys. That's, and that, that's just yeah. disgusting. Yeah, it's fucking horrible. Let's lighten the mood a little bit. We have a thing. Absolutely. We have a thing here uh, that we call the Netflix binge of the week, and then we change that to the Roku rewatch. Um, we're going to change up again, and I'm I'm buying time as I'm flipping through my four different soundboards because I have more soundboards than I know what to do with. So there's that. Okay, here we go. Gordon, this is going to be a super long intro, but for good reason, because it is going to take you back to 1983, sitting in Granny's living room, watching Star Wars on HBO for the first time. The original HBO opening trailer. All one minute and 15 seconds of it. Give you flashbacks. I, I remember the box with the little slider on it, and you were inside the HBO writing and the purple walls. God created everything, right? Heavens, seven seas, Marine Corps. God created Japs too, right? So what do you believe in? I believe in ammunition. History's full of wars that are fought for a hundred different reasons. But this war, our war, I have to believe that it's all worthwhile because our cause is just. From the creators behind Save It Private Ryan, 
the HBO miniseries Band of Brothers is 2010, actually 2012, I think, when it came out. HBO The Pacific, which follows the exploits, if you will, or the story, I guess, is a more nice way of saying it, of one Eugene Sledge, Sidney Phillips, John Bazalone, Robert Leckie, and their fellow comrades from the campaign of Guadalcanal all the way up to Okinawa in the end of the war, based on books such as Eugene Sledge with the Old Breed, Robert Leckie's book, Helmet for My Pillow, and the, um, oh, I didn't grab it. You, uh, I have it. I'm staring at it right now. Sid Phillips, You'll Be Sorry, and books based on John Bazalone. HBO The Pacific, once again, is a fantastic movie, series, I guess I should say. And I'm rewatching it right now on HBO. And if you have Amazon Prime, I think HBO is included on it. At least it is on mine. And I don't have HBO on my cable TV. So if you have Amazon Prime, go to Prime Video and see if HBO is included. And watch HBO The Pacific if you've never seen it. And if you have seen it, watch it again. And if you have seen it, and you're a fan of the writer of this book, one Eugene Sledge, who is one of the main characters of that movie, you want to subscribe if you haven't already. And this is a little cross-promotion for the Digital 410 Network to the What's the Scuttlebutt podcast because the youngest son of one Eugene Sledge will be on the podcast this weekend to uh, talk about growing up with his father, talking about that book, talking about Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks reaching out to his family for the rights to this book to use it in the show. And if you watch the show, you know that Eugene Sledge did one thing you're not supposed to do in the Marine Corps during World War II in 1942, and that is to take notes and to have any documentation on himself about his whereabouts, where he's been or where he's going in case he dies and gets rolled by the Japs. That's intel. But one Eugene Sledge didn't follow orders, and he would make notes, um, if you will, in the margins of his Bible. And that's what he used for uh, after two years after the war, right with the old breed, and his son still has that Bible today. I asked him if he could send me a picture or two of it. He said he would, but he keeps it in a glass box because, well, back when they're making a the show, everybody from Tom Hanks to Steven Spielberg, nobody else had fingered through it, and it was getting a little weak. And his mom's very protective of it, and so it is in a glass case. Very good reasons. He did send me photos of his father's uh, P forty one uniform that they have in a glass case on the wall. His original K bar and other photographs. So once again, go out on HBO and watch the HBO Pacific and then download the episode of the What's the Scuttlebutt podcast featuring one Henry Sledge. Henry, if things go right, may come on the show multiple times because, well, he's considering starting a podcast of his own and he kind of wants to see what the interest is like. And I think he's going to use WTSP as a way to get his bearings behind him in the podcast world. So don't be surprised if he's around for two or three episodes. So that is all more reason why you should watch HBO The Pacific and then come join us over at WTSP, which we are super excited about. May not mean anything too much to those of you who aren't heavily into World War II or more importantly, or more specifically, I guess I should say, the uh, PTO or the Pacific Theater of Operations and um, all that. But once again, if you guys want to join in on this conversation, give us a call at 239-299-3352. Gordon, what do you have on your list of shit for today? I don't know, but it may be worth our buddy in New York to give us a call because it's one, two, three, four, five, six paragraphs he just wrote. Oh, um, yeah, uh, Martin. That'd be an interesting one to call. Hey, Martin, give us a call. Um, I, I think I have your phone number somewhere, but give us a call, Martin, and uh, I'd like to 
Let's see here. I can't spend the time reading these four paragraphs. But, yes, I can only imagine someone who lives in New York um, and with, obviously, that being ground zero, obviously, for 9-11, how um, that might impact you guys and maybe affect the feelings. Oh, the other thing I saw, which kind of shows today's generation. Can you hear Bailey whining in the background by any chance? I, I cannot. Okay, good, because she's in there with Nugget, and Nugget likes to make her whine and cry and all that. Um, I did see another TikTok a few weeks ago, some dipshit dumb fuck, who's probably in his 20s, was having the nerve, not to borrow a phrase from our friends at the Stan Haney Show, but the unmitigated gaw to fucking blaspheme and try to say, hey, all you patriots, all oh you boy. right-wingers who are anti-maskers and anti-vaccine, you guys are comp- saying that it's not, you know this and that when you guys are all upset about the 9-11 and 9-11 anniversary, but more people have died from COVID than died on 9-11. It's like, fuck you. And that just gives a show. These young, can't even compare the no, two. No, but they're One so young. One was pretty much in an instant. Yep. Well, caused by people. They weren't alive. They don't know. It's no different than people using Battle of the Bulge as a newsline headline for losing weight. Even though it was a horrible war during World War II where people froze and 30 below zero sitting on the fucking woods surrounded Belgium. Oh, Battle of the Bulge. 42% of the Americans are obese. Well, you know, we... What's that loudmouth New Yorker's name who... He's like, he was kind of bitching about the people not getting the vaccine. Oh, you're talking and, about and, fucking Michael Rappaport? Yeah, Rappaport. And then <coughs> I believe uh, he ended up having the vaccine and then getting COVID. And now he seems to be kind of changing his tune just a little. Well, if you go back a while, I'm sorry, I'm going to text. My, uh, Martin wants to know the phone number, so I'm texting while I'm saying this. I used to follow Michael Rappaport on TikTok. Cause I'm, oh, I think he's a funny guy. I he's mean, a funny guy. And I was a fan of his show. Um, Oh, what the hell was the show? The son of the aut- uh, the autistic kid. Um, anyhow, it's a very good show. It's on Netflix. Um, ah, atypical. atypical. Yes. Did you watch the recent season? It was. Yeah, good. I watched all of it. But I stopped, and I complained about this before. I stopped following Michael Rappaport when he was his son was using the fact that his father's famous and he's from a famous family and he's becoming mm-hmm. an influencer. And we talked about when you put yourself in public eye, whether you're working in radio and people call you up and yell at you and threaten to beat your ass or whatever. When you put yourself out there in a public eye, you have to be willing to take what comes with it, with the exception of death threats, obviously. Well, apparently... And being doxxed. Yeah. Well, apparently, some kids were giving him some grief on TikTok, Mm -hmm. um, calling him names and all that, to the point where Michael was using his influence to get people with the know-how to trace these people back, finding out they were in middle school, find out what middle school they went to, and then calling the principal at the middle school and making him responsible to punish these kids for stuff they're doing on the internet on their free time. And we went on talking about how is it, you know, if it's not a kid at their school that's going to cause a fight when they get to school, how is a principal at a middle school responsible for one of his students bad-mouthing a kid across the country in their own free time? And so that's when I stopped following Michael Rappaport. But anyhow, uh, I just sent you the phone number, Martin. Give us a ringy-dingy-doo. Yeah, I just uh, I thought that was interesting. And I did have a horrific incident this morning. In the bathroom? I wish. Um, <laughs> so I'm getting ready for work. It's a little earlier than normal. And I uh, I, I went to pull up the uh, blinds for the, our cat so we could just have some you know, light in the room. And I, I look out. 
at the window as one would do when they're opening up blinds and there is my naked neighbor watering his dogs in the fucking yard like balls ass naked or like underwear naked ass crack and back sack bro now does he have a wall around his house yes and they actually sit five feet lower than us but right from the upstairs window direct shot did you open the window and cat call him at Nah, I sheepishly shut the blinds real quick and went away. Because I think that would make one uh, retaliate, uh, run back to the house, then yelling at them, hey, then they're going to be all, you know, pissed off. But if you, like, whistle at them, give them the old, then they'll be more likely to run in their house. Yeah, so that was that today. And uh, seeing more homeless people sacked out in our local park in the on the walks in the morning, which makes me feel like I need to carry a little extra something in case I run into a crazy one. You know, I, I this wasn't even on my list of shit, but you brought it up. Uh, rewind, shit, two or three years ago when Dave was still on the show, and I was talking about how I was running downtown on Father's Day, and the homeless, and they were sleeping in the bathroom, and I had to find a, an outhouse to go to because there's shit all over the floor. Well, like a year ago, they put a fence around the entire park, and then they put up all these signs talking about how they're going to put it in an amphitheater and a park and yada, 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 which is fantastic, and they ran all the homeless people out of there. But a year later, they haven't even so much as put a shovel into soil. And so my question is, are you guys really breaking ground, or are you just fencing off that area to kick the homeless people out so that when all the tourists come down, they don't scare them out? Because why would it take over a year? I mean, if you're still in the playing stages, why put the fence up? Let people go to the park. I mean, not only the homeless people not have a place to go, but that fence, they it's not just a fence. It's a fence with a wall with all the pictures of the up and coming and all the computer graphics, but it blocks off the view of the Caloosahatchee River from all the bars, from people walking down there. It it cuts off uh, walking past playgrounds. So it's like... Walking well, my view shed, man. Look above two lines. I don't see the text. No, oh, I see it. It's right there. <laughs> okay, Martin, since you put your phone number out for everybody to call, yeah, I'll just give <coughs> you a call and we'll go from there. I don't know who that is. I don't know whose number that is. My fault. <coughs> nope. Uh, let's see here. My camera's out of focus again. I have nothing to look at here anyway. Going for it. Here we go, Martin. Hey. Hey, man, what's going on? Nada. I just uh, actually found your number on the, uh, the uh-huh. bottom there of the podcast. I can see it now. Yeah, there you go. How you been, friend? It's been a while. Not too bad. So what is the overall feeling? And Well, first and foremost, the last time we talked to you, you kind of you and your family kind of scurried out of the city to go up into New York state to get away from all the COVID lockdown and all the insanity. Are you still in New York state or did you guys go back to the big city? Uh, I actually, I just uh, was back there this whole weekend uh, getting some things to come back up here and hide out uh, and whatnot because uh, we still had stuff back there, but uh, we wanted to, uh, we had various gift cards and things because as of uh, yesterday, uh, if you're not vaccinated, you're not allowed to uh, dine in or go do anything. And uh, seeing as we're not uh, vaxxers. Is that in the decided. city or statewide? That's uh, in the city. Okay, no big loss there. Yeah, go. So go. no no uh, protests like they had in, um, in France? No, you know, it's uh, 
I think their biggest issue that they're not uh, they're not coming to terms with is the fact that uh, I would say I don't know what percentage of people aren't even back in the city, but uh, I'd say it's pretty dang on high. And they're doing like uh, welcome home. Uh, I don't know if you've seen these uh, concert series. They've got these lineups of uh, all these uh, people. And the only way you get to go is if you're vaccinated. So, you know, they're bringing in big stars to these concert series and whatnot. And they're saying, oh, the city's coming back. But uh, really, one of the indicators is the uh, Metro cards. Um, because a lot of people take uh, the public transportation cost out of their checks to save on taxes. And uh, the numbers of people who do that are nowhere near uh, the numbers that they uh, – yeah, once had. So is Metro I mean, going to have to cut back on labor as far as people working? Oh, yeah. Do I they mean, like still the DOE, have? The DOE. What's that? Now, this may have went out years ago. One, I've never been to New York City. And two, um, have the people who used to sell tokens, have they been replaced by machines? Or is it all digital now? What's the turnstile yeah. that the subway's like? So when I got there in uh, 2002, uh, the summer of 2002, like I didn't even know what a token was. And then I, you know, I found out about it, but uh, it was all cards. Uh, and then probably maybe 10 years or so after that, uh, like Citibank and a few local banks kind of did this tap and go kind of like what you see now with the, mm -hmm. uh, the tap and pay. Yep. Uh, but mm -hmm. those were only on certain lines, but, uh, you know, there was very little success with it, but then now I think now that technology's come around and whatnot, it looks like they're trying to go back to like sort of a tap and pay system and completely do away with uh, the Metro cards altogether. And you just have sort of a one and done tap and pay kind of card. But uh, yeah, it's, it's even gotten so bad where uh, they used to like, if you had like a bunch of cards with like 20, 30, 40 cents, cause you know, the numbers never add up what you put on the card. Mm -hmm. uh, you could just go up to the booth and be like, hey, here's like 15 cards. Can you all put it on one card for me? And they would transfer it over. But now they don't, they don't even have anybody working the booths. And they and never will. The, those jobs are gone. That's kind of what I was – it seems so long ago. But when I moved down here, we have toll booths, obviously, because we're in Florida. When I first moved down here, we actually had the old school toll booths you can drive through and throw the handful of change at, which was always fun to cruise yep. by at 10 mile an hour and see if how many of them go in the basket. And then they got rid of those and replaced those with uh, full-time people wearing cool Hawaiian shirts who I'm sure was getting paid a city and or state salary. And then uh, once COVID hit, they realized, hey, we already have cameras that take pictures of people's license plates, so we go after people who don't pay toll. Why pay salary? Why provide health insurance? Why employ you know, uh, six people working 24 hours a day, seven days a week? with the exception of holidays and whenever uh, we have to open the tolls up for uh, evacuation. Now it's just drive on yep. through, and if you have a, a easy pass, we'll take it out of that. If not, we'll just send you a, uh, a invoice for a dollar in the mail, and those jobs will never <laughs> come back. costs more money to send the invoice than the actual invoice. Well, what they do is they'll, well, they, they send out once yeah. a month, and so then it'll be like an invoice for 14 bucks or whatever. But once again, all those well, jobs will never return. What they do here in New York, same thing is uh, they've done away with all of the uh, the toll booths, and uh, if you don't have an easy pass, it's I forget the markup of uh, like let's say it's like thirteen dollars to go across the bridge. If you don't have an easy pass, it's like twenty bucks. They mark wow. it up because they had dear they lord. Had 
Yeah, they had to mail it to you, so you get like a, I forget what percentage is, but it's it's enough that it would make you go, shit, I should get me one of those easy passes. The, the, this reminds me, and I haven't I haven't driven, I haven't done any rideshare driving in weeks, but um, at the height of the pandemic, I was doing some rideshare driving to make you know make a little extra cash, and I was picking up these cats from New Jersey one night, and. The two, the the guy and the girl in the back arguing, and I couldn't help but get involved. And they were talking about leave, the the leeway pass that you put on the window to go through. And he's like, "Yeah, on my motorcycle, I have to. I have two. I got one for the leeway pass, and I got one for New Jersey. And so whenever I'm down here, I got to put the one from New Jersey and wrap it in tinfoil so I don't get charged twice. And then when I'm up there, I got to wrap the one from Lee County in tinfoil so I don't get charged twice. Which I, and she was all right. And at one point, I said, "Well, if they both work in the two different states, why not just have one?" You don't understand because <laughs> he was drunk. And so he kept, no, you don't understand because then I'll get billed twice. I, I, no, I understand. But it, my point being well, is if the, the New Jersey one bills you down here and then Lee County just have one, they work in both places. Well, well no, because you get uh, so you get residential uh, benefits. So, like, if you have a New York City one, like, for instance, Staten Island, the biggest complaint about the Staten Island people is they get a deal – uh, a cheaper rate coming into the city, and then you don't pay going to Staten Island. So the big argument's been that it should be an equal amount going both ways. So instead of let's say twenty bucks one way, it'd be ten and ten. Yep. But if you're a resident of Staten Island, you might only pay five bucks. Um, so wherever your pass is registered to, for instance, when my parents come visit me from Ohio, um, we debated whether or not they should have gotten an easy pass or you for sure. New York uh, because it would have been cheaper. Because when all the easy passes come, or more or less when they get to Pennsylvania and New Jersey, you get a cheaper rate than if you're an Ohio individual traveling to New York because you're seen as you're coming home. You're like, you know, using more frequent. So they're sort of based on where you purchase them and where they're based out of. They actually charge different rates based on what they're what what address they're at. Um, they're linked to it's similar down here when i first moved down here they had the toll on each side so when you drove to cape coral to fort myers you pay a dollar when you drive back what they did a couple years later after i moved down here is they closed they got rid of the tolls on the fort myers side they put on the cape coral side so you basically paid two dollars getting a cape so that you could open up the traffic leaving town because everybody goes back to fort myers you want to open up the traffic restraints but there's three ways to get into Cape Coral. You have the Cape Coral side bridges. There's two bridges. You pay $2 to get in on Cape Coral Parkway. You can come down the other set of bridges on Veterans and pay $2. Or, as we were just talking about downtown Fort Myers, if you drive across the old school Edison Bridge, it's free. And so what people do is in the morning when they're on the way to work, they'll drive over and not pay the toll because they're going into Fort Myers. And then in the afternoon when they got a little more time to kill and they're driving back to Cape Coral, they'll drive down 41 and drive over the free bridge and circle back. So instead of paying the question the toll, I have with that is with the cost of fuel versus the two or one or two dollars, are you saving money on the free? Yes, because once again, prior to them just being keep driving, don't stop back in the day when you had to either have a pass or stop and either give the teller a dollar or slow down to throw quarters in there, that creates traffic. And so you're burning that a much amount of gas idling, sitting on the bridge, waiting to go through. Versus, well, your yeah, comment I'm, about it being a different 
cost going each way. I feel that's the same way with Vegas and flights. I feel like as a resident, it costs us more to fly out of here and do a round trip than it is somebody trying to come in to visit. Let me ask you this, Martin. Um, you guys have you have a lot of toll roads out there? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it's getting more and more so. Do uh, you find that whenever your family come in and they're driving around using Google Maps that Google more often than not will send them through the toll roads instead of taking them the other way is this almost as if they're going to kick back from well, the state you you have a choice uh, on Google I notice you can pick uh, toll or not toll like it, it'll tell you like uh, yeah, no matter what when I'm when I'm driving it'll give me an option it, it might say like uh, three minutes faster but tolls or uh, three minutes slower without tolls, and I just have to click on the gray, like, uh, and it'll switch my thing over. But also, before you even put in your destination, you can type in a, there's an option to put on there to go toll-free or less tolls, and it'll, it'll give it to you. Yeah, but by default, it seems that way. And the reason I'm bringing that up is whenever I drive up to Orlando, uh, like when I was doing the background work for The Right Stuff or anytime I go up to do reenactments in the area, anytime I drive up there, Interestingly enough, it takes me around Orlando, and I never pay a toll. But coming back down south, I go down, I think it's I-4, and it's almost like every three miles there's a new toll booth. And so it costs me like $25 more to come home than it does to leave because Google Maps takes me a different way home than it would out of state. Which, And I'm always like, are they going to kick back from the city of Orlando to direct people through the tolls to make more money? Wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't, wouldn't, uh, um, before we let you go, two things. Uh, one... Before we get to the 9-11 stuff, because that's why you called. Cuomo, he's gone. Who's going to replace him, and how does everybody feel about it? So, so today, today, kind of interesting. I'm a big AM radio, you know, local. So uh, two things. So uh, he came out, and I don't know if he Twittered or if he Facebooked or what he did. Tweets and twats. He pretty much came out and said, uh, I should have gone with the impeachment. I would have beaten it, and I wouldn't be going through this. So then, Jesus uh, Christ, today, he just will not give there up, was, really. Uh, there was actually like local talk about the fact that uh, come two weeks from now, he, he might let this all go over, and they're kind of worried that he might actually go, you know what, I'm not really stepping down. Forget it. I'm still governor. I'm not resigning. Yeah, because he's so, got like, uh, what, four more days or something? There, there was a, a lot of, there was a, yeah, there was a lot of chatter that like, uh, you know, that um, essentially this Afghan you know, the whole Afghan withdrawal that it sort of has taken him off the front page mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, everything be forgotten. And that, nice uh, distraction there from was serious Cuomo. talk. From, yeah. There was serious talk from more or less like not even right wing, uh, media from the left wing that, you know, what's the odds that maybe he might say, ah, you know what? I'm back. <laughs> well, if he were to step down and not get impeached, does that give him the ability to rerun? Not that anybody's going to vote yes. for him. Yeah, that's the big. That's the, one of the reasons why they're saying he did it was that uh, by him, uh, you know, not doing it. And actually, the, uh, there was a whole to do about the fact that uh, a lot of the details of the impeachment were going to be squashed. And uh, one of the things is is that uh, they want it to be sort of hot off the presses because they're actually afraid that he might go back and say. I'm not actually resigning, so they want to have it hot and ready to be able to publish at a moment's notice of like all the details of what they would have thrown at him in his in his impeachment. But um, you know, 
I thought that was kind of interesting. So who knows what the heck's going to go on with this guy in the next week or two. So I mean, what? he was after scandal after scandal. He had, yeah. like, you know, the whole nursing home thing. But one of the biggest things people don't know about during the time was he uh, procured, like, billions of dollars to have all these facilities completely transferred over. And at the end of the day, um, like, facilities that were supposed to house a 1,000 people didn't see one body. Well, we know uh, he, he never used the hospital ship. Yep. He never used the hospital ship. I mean, there was a lot going on. And then another thing, too, is he's a big car buff. Um, there was a big scandal with the fact that because he's got a lot of bad luck with these state troopers. One one of the state troopers was, you know, giving it to his daughter, and he had the guy, like, like sent, sent to the, Buffalo. Yeah, I, was, I heard uh, about that. And, and hey, I'm Italian. We have show games. That's how we move our money around. It's like the New York equivalent to sending them to the Siberia. In Russia, yeah. I'm send you to Buffalo, and, New uh, York, and make so, you work the streets during the winter time. Go hang out with angry cops. They started, they started noticing all the state troopers' vehicles were like outside of the mansion. Well, they typically have like four or five parking spots underneath the mansion in the garage. Well, word has it that uh, I forget how many millions he spent of public dollars to have a whole garage revamped so all of his luxury cars could park in there and kind of have himself like a Jay Leno garage. Hey, it's better and on so, a clear coat. Uh, all the state trooper cars are on the street. And the thing is, you can't get into the mansion because it's his public, you know, or it's his private residence while he's governor. But uh, there was all these, you know, contracts and stuff, for all these contractors and videos and pictures of like people going in and doing something to this garage. But yet, if you're telling me you're remodeling it, why are all the state troopers' cars that were once mm-hmm. parked underneath there still out on the street? And word of mouth through the troopers is that he's got all of his luxuries cars parked in there, and he revamped it for his car collection. So It'll be interesting when the new the one gets in there and they open up, give access to see what it looks like in there. Yeah, it sounds like well, a lot of white is, envelopes changed hands. What is the overall feeling in new york about what's going on with the taliban uh the upcoming 20th anniversary of 9-11 and the threats and the hypothesis of a retaliation or a, a re a re-kickstart if you will of an attack and all that well that was i was that's what i was saying the thing is the crazy part is is uh the attack that took place in the uh the actual uh garage many years mm-hmm. before even the 9-11 attack that was planned at this mosque over in Brooklyn, off of Atlantic Avenue, right across the street from the Barclays Center. Uh, and then later on, the attack of 9-11 was planned there and funded through there. Uh, various other attacks and various other uh, clergymen or clerics or whatever they consider Mollus. them to be, um, they were meeting there. And at the end of the day, this these mosques keep on saying, well, you know, we've got these community rooms. We've got these, like, you know, we're not just a, a mosque. You know, we've got young men hanging out and, you know, joining clubs. We don't know what's going on in the basketball club or, you know, the chess club. Who knows what they talk about there, you know. And yeah, and the, the Catholics time, didn't like know about fun. preachers diddling little boys either, right? Yeah, you know, it's like, and the money's funneling through there. Uh, they had, there's a great article there was once written, uh, actually, I think it was one of the better articles, I think Playboy, if I'm not mistaken, it was in there, um, that they had a, a lot of good intel and undercover guys in there, and they pulled them uh, right before 9-11. But point being is, there's a lot of major mosques. If you Google them and you see what crazy connections there were there and what they know about these places, um, but in today's... 2021 you know, with the mayor we have you can't because of woke culture 
you're not allowed to go in and, you know, actually do some intel because that would be, you know, profiling. So who the hell knows what these people are up to and if they're doing it in the backyard. So you get, you're starting to get a lot of like, you know, you see on social media, people, you know, calling for more surveillance of these places now because of the fact that, Hey, you know, hit me once, shame on me, hit me twice. You know, after the fourth time, it's like, you know, every time we've been hit, they've been planned in these mosques here in Brooklyn, in New York city, you got to go like, you know, maybe go check out the mosques in the next two weeks or so before, you know, September 11th happens, maybe check to see who's hanging out there. Who knows, you know, and uh, the mayor didn't respond to the questions they were asking about, like, you know, is there any sort of intel being taken in these? And it was kind of the sense of like, oh, we don't profile anymore. Yeah. You know, that's profiling. It's like, no, that's that's called intel. Go ahead, so, go who knows? Uh, I'm about I to mean, shit on my own point. I'm going to say nothing. You know, they got their backgammon club, and nothing shady ever happens during a game of backgammon. <laughs> then come to find out is uh, they're not allowed to play backgammon because it's got dice. So. <laughs> well, you know, kind of like Dan Crenshaw said on his podcast, you know, people are talking about how the war, 20-year war and all that. And he said, well, one thing people don't realize is our activities over there for the last 20 years has prevented additional 9-11s over the last 20 years. And now that we're gone, because as he said it, when you're on the run and you're worried about where you're going to sleep tonight, you don't have time to plan another attack. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Martin, thank you so yeah, much I mean, for calling. A, um, we're going to get on to the news and a few other things. You've got one more thing. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, you know, it's just it's 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 craziness. Um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be interesting with the 20th uh, year anniversary. You know, it's a. Uh, it's, you know, sad, and I just hope that, uh, you know, nothing nothing idiotic takes place. And then, you know, we find out, you know, years later that, oh, they knew this, they knew that, this could have been prevented, you know. And that's, I think that's the biggest fear with the people is that, you know, we were naive after September 11th or prior to September 11th. But now, you know, with social media and everything, people are like, you know, you know, you connect this and you connect that. And then all of a sudden they feel like, you know, oh, you're calling me a conspiracy theorist. Mm -hmm. But it's like... Hey, you know what? Like, just connect a few dots, and so it's it's a weird vibe. You know, people don't want to talk about it because you don't want to be a racist, yeah. you don't want to be you know considered conspiracy. But at the same time, you know, I feel like there's sort of a tension that you know what's going to happen, and so I don't know. Well, if Hopefully it makes you feel any right? better and safer, I was thinking about this today when pumping the gas. Um, I don't think if there's going to be an attack, I don't think it's going to be on New York. I don't think it's going to come from airplanes. Gordon, you may be more concerned. Um, I'm thinking if there is going to be an attack, it's going to be coming through the Sodom southern. Sodom and Gomorrah it, right no, at my doorstep. Well, it's going to come through the southern border. I think we got the air, whole airplane thing well taken care of. I can't imagine anything's going to come by sea unless they got some surface air missiles that they got tucked in a shipping container somewhere. We'll still figure yeah, that you out. You know, there's a bunch of them just floating off the coast. Exactly, so. but... If there is another attack, it's either going to be from a sleeper cell that's been here in this country for years, or it's going to come up through the southern border. I don't think another airplane-driven attack is going to is going to be the route of any potential thing. But hey, Martin, keep us in uh, the loop and uh, let us know anything uh, produces up there. And uh, have a good one, man. You too. I enjoy it every weekend, guys. Later. Thanks, Thanks for calling in, man. Bye bye. Bye. Martin Mazika, a friend of mine from high school, and um, we've had him on multiple times. He actually moved to New York from Ohio to be a school teacher in Brooklyn, of all places. But um, before we get to the news, I just got one more thing. Actually, we got two more things. So Gordon um, suggested a TikTok lesson of the week, and so we're going to do two of those today because one of them is actually going to be 
kind of conspiracy, but interesting in its own right. Uh, let's see. Where did I put Gordon's? There it is. Okay, hold tight. Here we go. I'll hit this here. And now for the What's in Your Head podcast TikTok lesson of the week. Hey, bro. What? When somebody breaks into your house, do you call 911 right away or do you wait to see if you need them? Why do I call 911? You call 811. Why the fuck would you call 811, my guy? That's who you call before you dig a hole. And if I wasn't drinking my drink, I would hit this in time. And this has been the What's in Your Head podcast TikTok lesson of the week. And now for the What's in Your Head podcast TikTok lesson of the week. I wanted to see what would happen if I sent my pet lizard DNA into 23andMe. And so with the help of my wife, we extracted enough saliva to send off in the mail. We were so excited to see the results. After about three months, we were shocked. My lizard was 51% Ashkenazi Jewish. He was also 48% West Asian. This was really interesting. They also gave us a little bit of his background and his history, what he liked to eat, etc. Let us know which animal DNA we should send in next. Now, take this worth a grain of salt. Um, there's multiple pages doing multiple stories on this. This one's from naturalnews.com. Man sends lizard saliva to 23andMe for DNA testing, exposing total fraud of the company's claim for human ancestry. Before I read the story, if you think about it, they are probably one of the leading DNA testing companies around, right? Yes. And now I'm going to say they probably got hundreds of they're thousands. They're owned by a pharmaceutical company also. Actually, um, hold on. Uh, they're owned by they, – they probably get hundreds of thousands of DNA swabs sent to them, right? Mm-hmm. Now, when I was on the Stan Haney show, um, when 23andMe was getting up and running, uh, Dave, who used to be on this show, said, hey, guys, we should have our DNA sent in the 23andMe, and we did it, and all of our results were damn near the same. <laughs> Was that actually through 23andMe? Yes, it was through 23andMe, and they were damn near the same. And um, I get to thinking, well, how many DNA swabs can they possibly run through in a day? If they have machines doing it, if they have people doing it, how quick can you unpackage them, send them through, and why doesn't it take years to get your results back? But anyhow, according to Natural News, man sends lizard saliva. Actually, I saw the video on TikTok, and then everybody started picking up on it. Um, a man and his wife decided to send a test. I'm sorry. A man and his wife decided to test the accuracy of 23andMe's at-home DNA testing by sending in the saliva sample collected from their pet lizard. It was a bearded dragon, mind you, but they called it a pet lizard. What they found is a whole thing is a sham, according to this person. Who could be just making the whole story up. It is TikTok, after all. But for the fun of this article, let's continue with believing that they did send it in, and that's what they got. The following video, the man explains that after three months of waiting, he received anonymous, I'm sorry, an anomalous result suggesting his pet lizard is 48% West Asian and 51% um, a Caesarian Jewish. Uh, 23Me also sent a report explaining his lizard history and background, including what he supposedly likes to eat. Quote, we were shocked, the man has heard stating. Rumor mill news. Reporting on the results noted the irony of the lizard is basically testing positive for uh, serpent speed DNA, seeing as how infamous globalist lizard people like George Soros and uh, Lord Rothschild are. But once again, that's rumor mill news. YouTube CEO Susan Wojak, co-founder of 20 and 3 and Me. Discovery is timely as 23andMe just made their de- debut on the American stock market after merging with Richard Branson SPAC. 
23andMe was co-founded. I'm sorry, was co-founded. It is important to note by um, Susan Wojak, who currently holds the CEO title over YouTube. YouTube, as you probably know, is owned by Google, which is arguably the evilest corporation in the world. Um, then they go on noting that how YouTube, as we all know, pulled down videos about um, ivermectin and um, oh shit, what's the one that Trump got around? Hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine. Um, so they, they they talk about that in this article, and then it says uh, Wojak's connection to Twenty Three and Me is curious because many uh, have speculated as to the true purpose of these so-called DNA tests. Now put on your tinfoil hats, as this website seems to be a little conspiratorial. But let's just go down this fun rabbit hole. Uh, YouTube is, uh, blah, blah, sorry, um, seeing how has Google has been trying to get into the pharmaceutical business for several years now. And as 23andMe is an extension of that designed to profile individuals and target them for new drugs, question mark. But anyhow, they go on down the rabbit hole saying, well, you know, Google's trying to get in the pharmaceutical industry. Google is actually has, um, re, you know, a you know kind of ties to 23andme and is there any truth to this or is this just their way to catalog everybody's dna well in february 2021 the company announced that it had entered into a definitive agreement to merge with sir richard branson special purpose acquisition company mm -hmm. vg acquisition group for you know a measly 3.5 billion dollars maybe we should do this um Maybe, and it did complete the merger in June. Maybe we should put my Venmo out there. Let's get 30 people to send us a dollar. What, what is it? Is it 30 bucks to do it? How much is it to do 23andMe now? It's like 99 bucks. Damn, that's too much. I was going to say maybe we should either... Well, that's what it used to be. I was looking into it, but uh, yeah, it's... Maybe we can get fundraising and prove that this thing's true or false with the lizard thing. Did it take you guys three months to get your results back? It took... Uh well this is when they first started so it took uh, they've been around since 2013 so I guess that'd be well, about right yeah because I was about six years ago it's, I I haven't worked for them for four years I worked for oh, them for shit. six years so yeah it's about <laughs> right um it took a while but not that long and we actually had the guy on from the the uh, from the company but anyhow damn I wish it wasn't 100 bucks I was gonna say we could either send him Bailey's DNA or Oliver's DNA and see what the results came back as to prove whether or not this video is bullshit and people or not. That or I'm wondering if somebody at 23 me because it took so long to come back. They kind of knew, but they're like, let's fuck with them a little bit. Eh, I they could have. But one of the things I have read because uh, I'm interested in genetics and our background is um, even if you got great genetics, there's about a 10 to 20 percent guess that the algorithm will do just to plug holes because there's still going to be holes somewhere that you don't have everything accounted for. So it'll, it'll, it'll kind of guess, which explains why a lot of results are very similar. You know, I mean, again, Joining us a lot now of us, go ahead. I hit it too early. I thought you were done. I was trying to line up again, that pause in your I mean, voice. a lot of us, uh, you know, depending on your ethnic background do come from a similar area and, 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 and Europe isn't that big. Yep. So, it's hard to say. Joining us now from the Digital 410 West News Desk in Las Vegas, Nevada, Gordon Abernathy. Gordon, before we get to the news, I guess I'd be remiss to say that this episode of the What's in Your Head podcast has been brought to you by our friends at At Computers. 
at Computers has been providing IT solutions for all Southwest Florida since 2004 and to the rest of the world since all, I don't know, 2010. So even if you don't live in Southwest Florida, give them a call at 239-283-1120 or hit them up on Facebook. And with your assistance, they can log into your computer through their website and help you with all of your computer issues with the exception of internet troubles, obviously. But... If you do live here in Southwest Florida, they can help you with your internet issues, too. So if you need computer repair, um, network expansion, servers, yada, 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 anything IT-related, give them a call at 239-283-1120. Go over to act-capecoral.com or look for them at, at Computers on Facebook and uh, tell them that we sent you, sent you to them and help support the cause. And speaking of supporting the cause, got two more requests for you. One, head over to D, the new d-410.com. Don't know if you noticed, Gordon, I changed the website about, oh, I don't know, a month ago. It's completely different. Yes. Head over to d-410.com, click on that Patreon link, sign up for Patreon. It's only a dollar a month. And maybe if enough of you sign up, we can do the whole 23andMe scam. Um, but that'll help support the show. And while you're at d-410.com, if you click on the social media link, you'll see a link to our YouTube channel. We are like 49 people away from 500, so if you want to go sign up for our YouTube, we're trying to get to 1,000, but we'll be happy with 500. You can go support the cause that way. And more importantly than all that, if you don't want to do any of that, but you enjoy the podcast, simply share us with your friends. Say, hey, guy, you like podcasts. You're sitting in that front loader all day. You got an eight-hour shift, and you're only listening to three hours of podcasts. Why not add another hour to your list and send them a link to us, and they can download us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Music. For some reason, Google Play is the only one that if you pause the show and get out of your car and go back, it starts from the beginning. Gore and I once thought, well, maybe it's because we play in stereo. Maybe because we offer full audio quality that for a while you guys may not have noticed that the show was in mono. I did that to shrink the file size in efforts to maybe think, well, maybe Google will not restart the damn show it didn't help so we went back to stereo 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 so just fuck google don't even support them listen to us on itunes Spotify, stitcher spotify what have you iHeartRadio. if you got a roku tv iHeartRadio is built into it you can turn us on in the background but anyhow like and subscribe and give us a review and share us with your friends and that didn't cost you a dime quarter nickel or penny it's been a long time since we've heard our friends over at nappy roots <laughs> It won't cost you a thing, but if you do have a sign up for the Patreon. Now, Gordon, it's time for you and the news. Oh, one you more thing. Sorry, thing. One more thing. Sorry. Um, I've been out fishing a lot, and there's a fan of the show who um, has been fishing with me. You guys may have seen him on the YouTube video. He reached out to me. His name's Michael. Michael from uh, Personal Bets, Personal Best Bait said, Hey, man, have you thought about starting a fishing podcast? And I said, no, <laughs> I got too many podcasts and I don't know enough about fishing. And then I said, unless I were to call it the, I don't know how to fish podcast. He's like, huh? Cause I've been thinking about it. long story short, Michael is going to start a podcast. And I told him go for it, but I will help you because doing a podcast is kind of easy. Doing it consistently is hard, but all you need is a microphone, a computer recording software and something to talk about. Bob Junkle. The hardest part is the hosting the distribution, and how to get it out there. So I told him to record a podcast. If you want me on once or twice, interview me or help you out, I'll be more than happy to. But long story short, he's going to do that. And the likelihood is very high that the Digital 410 Network will have a fourth podcast on the channel that I won't have nothing to do with. I am right there. I am right there. So 
I'm happy to announce there's no name for it yet, but coming soon to the Digital 410 Network will be a fourth podcast that I am not on, and I'm very excited about that. And if you're listening at home and you're in the same predicament where you want to do a podcast, maybe you've already got some microphones and mixing boards and you're like, well, how do I get it out to the world? Where do I host it at? Send me an email at info at d-410 because we're trying to grow the Digital 410 Network with podcasts that I have nothing to do with. <laughs> so um, so there, good news. We have a fourth podcast most likely coming to the channel, and I won't have my name anywhere on it. Gordon, it's time for news. I'll try this One again. One thing. No, just <laughs> like, go ahead. You, uh, you like to collect historical things. You find value in history. I'm surrounded by it right now, and if I wasn't worried about my camera, I would give you all a preview, but go ahead. Imagine going into a concealed attic space. This is up in Geneva, New York. Mm-hmm. After this, and it, it, this property was sold in December, and discovering a picture that's going to have a starting auction price of $5,000. That's pretty good. The best I can come up with that didn't happen to me. On the Fail to Fail podcast, we had my friend Christopher P. Stanley. He bought a house in Cleveland, I want to say Cleveland, that was built in the 30s, and he had a new HVAC system put in, and the air conditioning guy came down very ecstatic. They had found in the air ducts a brand new, unopened, still sealed in the cellophane, green pack, important, green pack of Lucky Strikes. Why is the green pack part important? Because the green pack was only around from like 1942 to 1943 before they went back to white to save color on dye for the uh, military. The reason they went to green for that short period of time is they didn't want the guys walking around on the battlefield with a bright white pack of cigarettes. And they are valuable. If you even find an empty pack of green Lucky Strikes, they can go on eBay for hundreds of dollars. He has a brand new pack and still in the cellophane that was found in the walls of his house that was built in the 30s. That's the closest I can come to what you were describing. Well, this 20 by 16 inch photo was found in a concealed attic space, as I said, in Geneva, New York. Uh, Rochester Democrat um, and Chronicle reported Tuesday that David Whitecomb, an attorney, is now the owner of the building has worked with an antiques dealer to bring some 350 items that he has discovered in the attic, including this historical photograph, and you may wonder what it is of. It is of Susan B. Anthony. Wow. The auction, to auction, the photo was taken by Geneva photographer James Ellery Hale in 1905, just months before Anthony's death. It was selected by the Susan B. Anthony Memorial Association as her official photograph. This framed copy is thought to be one of only four that exist, according to the auction listing. And it's very that is a nice piece of history to come across. And it's very of the time. I'm looking at the photo now on Google. It's your basic side shot of her with her black tunic on and the white with the bun. It's just your profile. standard profile shot. Of the day, and it almost looks like it's. I mean, it's so, the the ink back then was so rudimentary. It almost looks like a pencil media sketching of it, which adds almost a little artistic mm-hmm. to this. So cats like lasers. So does dogs. Bebop loves the laser pointer. Well, people like using lasers. Bebop is passed the cats. fuck out behind me. Well, this story out of a a familiar town by the name of Kenosha, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Some good news out of Kenosha for once. This lady decided to uh, play with a laser and a laser. cat. 
But what's interesting is this laser was on a handgun. Oh, jumping Jesus on a pogo stick. Do so I, it's going to be time for a do I need to get PSA. What happened was this Wisconsin woman accidentally shot her friend oh, while using this laser sight to play with the cat. People are laser doing. sight being on the handgun. A criminal complaint charging the, guess the age, 32. If you were to play with a cat with a laser and it's happening to be on a 19-year-old woman okay. with the negligent use of a weapon. Now, was this a Glock or was this one of those Bretas with the built-in laser? They don't even it's say. Small... It's probably an add-on Olight or whatever well, laser. they have those small, I think it's a Bretta. Our aunt has two of them with the lasers built into it and they're super tiny. Could be that. They're like 38s. But she was uh, visiting her Kenosha, a friend's uh, Kenosha West Kenosha apartment on Tuesday afternoon, where a 21-year-old man had bought a handgun. Had brought a handgun. The woman who a witness said had been drinking picked up said handgun. Which lesson number one: yeah. secure your firearm. Yeah, 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 yeah. <sighs> turned on turned on the laser sight and was pointing it at the floor to get the cat to chase it. When the gun went off, lesson number two. Keep your finger off the trigger. Always keep it indexed. Always pretend that keep every firearm... Keep your booger hook off the bang switch. And lesson number three, always make sure the fucking Always every firearm you have in your hand is loaded and you'll never be the guy on the news for accidentally shooting your cat. When the gun went off. Well, the gun will only go off by one way. The man who was standing in the doorway was shot in the thigh, according to authorities. He left and went to another apartment where police found him after responding to a 911 call, not... 811. And his pants were very moist. Yes. A tourniquet was applied to his leg to stop the bleeding, therefore, <laughs> or before he was taken to the hospital. There's no word of his condition, but I imagine everything's okay. But uh, the authorities said he was facing charges of violating a bond condition, which prevents him from having a weapon. Fine day. Good luck with the casual sex. I mean it. No, because you won't get it. What's interesting is a woman told the police that she thought the magazine had been taken out of the gun and said it accidentally went off. Again, <laughs> make sure it's clear. Ladies and gentlemen, for you playing the home a, game. Let's do a little test here. Magazine out. Yep. And we just got kicked off of YouTube and Facebook because Gordon's branching Empty. a firearm. But for you the, never do that. For those you playing the home game, when you release the magazine... There's more than likely one still chambered because this is real life. One of my biggest gripes about police shows, have you ever noticed, and it doesn't oh matter God, what channel, so many. on these police shows and detective shows, they always pull their firearm out of their holster and then they cock it because, you know, police walk around with unloaded weapons all the time. <laughs> no, you keep it hot. Yes. You know, there's actually a term for that. It's called Israeli carry. But... um yeah. Yeah, because, you know, when you need to pull your weapon in an emergency, the armed assailant will give you time to cock your gun before initiating said firefight. Or not. Or not. Or not. So needless to say, there's some more ignorant use. Mm -hmm. People are dumb, okay? So did I talk about the story where the landlord that was 78 years old shot three people in Naked City? Or in Las Vegas? No. You talked about your naked land, your neighbor and the Susan B. Anthony and the lady killing her cat with a laser pointer. Not the cat shot her friend in the thigh. So there's an area of town right up near um, Stratosphere called Naked City. 
And I was reading the story, and I'm kind of running it over in my head, and hopefully this is not the sign of things to come. But Las Vegas has released a report of a man accused of shooting three people and killing two last Tuesday in a neighborhood known as Naked City. Police said, and this is what's kind of ironic, that the call came... Uh, call shortly. I came shortly before blah, 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 12.30 a.m. about a shooting on West Chicago Avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, when the yeah. officers arrived, they found a female laying face down outside the driveway. female did die on the scene. A male victim uh, was taken to UMC trauma with approximately nine gunshot wounds. <laughs> just nine? Yeah, just nine. So here's the criminal. We got word from 50 Cent. 50 Cent said, <laughs> on my head. Back to you, Gordon. One, Arnaldo Lorenzo Sanchez, 78 years old, who lived in the home and rented it out to various people, was arrested for the shooting. According to witnesses, Sanchez became angry a few days ago because the other three people who were living with him did not pay rent. They're probably told Sons not to of by bitches. The yeah, right. A witness said he suggested to Sanchez that he evict the occupants, but reportedly told the witnesses that he will handle this his own way. Well, there's still the eviction moratorium. Mm-hmm. Police interviewed another man who lived in the house. He told police that he was in the back room and he heard several gunshots. When he went outside the room, he saw Sanchez standing over the hallway, over start standing in the hallway, smiling and laughing. Lopez's roommate then opened the door to Sanchez, reportedly began pushing uh, his way in, and then heard roommate yelling no, woman screaming, and after that, heard several gunshots. Jesus. The black semi-automatic handgun... So we got to be racist. In yeah, this I was gonna say, why do I got to bring race into this? Was found under a bush on New York Avenue. Sanchez refused to answer any questions at the police headquarters and requested an attorney. Sanchez faces two charges of murder and one charge of attempted murder. So one of the thoughts I had, and I had a discussion with somebody also in his 40s, 50s. Well, the guy has nothing to lose. Health care is going to be paid for. He's going to mm-hmm. have three hots and a cot. He's 78 years old. How much longer does he got? Yeah, right. So hopefully we don't see more of this crap, but uh, that's going on. And then one more from Las Vegas. A former Las Vegas maid charged with practicing medicine in a converted garage. 47-year-old Las Vegas woman who used to work as a maid has been arrested for practicing medicine. According to the arrest report, one Diana Hernandez, also known as Amelia Sacaldo Ramirez, why are so many names? Told police that uh, she had always had an interest in practicing medicine, but did not have any formal training or licensing. Yeah, she also training. admitted that she knew practicing medicine required school licensing and you know all the other crap. Who's got time for However, that? However, she only completed some type of correspondence course from the Red Cross. PSA number two today. Even if you get your CPR and your Red Cross first aid, you still cannot practice medicine. Want to hear a home correspondence? I think of VCR repair, gun repair. <laughs> exactly. Police believe that she was injecting hormones and antibiotics into both men and women in a converted garage outside of the home on Colbath Street. Well, at least she wasn't putting rubber East Charleston and Boulevard and Christie Lane. Uh, Police reportedly had found business cards inside the home for a family doctor under the business name of NHC Natural Health Counselors. The cards also had the word ask for Diana along with the business hours and phone number. Inside the garage, the police found a bed with a thin plastic covering where a person would sit. They also found a set of white drawers with several different types of medical medications inside of it. Initially, 
Hernandez reportedly she was only dispensing natural products, but when asked about the hormones and syringes, she admit she was selling injections for about 20 bucks a pop. Nice. Hernandez told police that she was a maid until she hurt her arm a few months ago, and that's when she began practicing medicine. So needless to say, she was booked on several charges, including acting as a medical practitioner without a license and possession of controlled substances with intent to sell. And we got a new ad, a new sponsor, if you will, for Gordon's News. Let's hear it. Today, if you have the right skills, to get those skills, you really need to train on the right kind of equipment. That's what the people here at ICS believe. They're the experts in at-home career training. Take a field like computers. You'd need a PC to learn on, right? This is what you get when you take the ICS PC Specialist course. And just look at auto mechanics or accounting. All this delivered right to your doorstep. Just call this toll-free number for a free brochure that gives you all the facts. Choose from any one of these programs. High school, TV, VCR repair, computer programming, electrician, animal care specialist, auto mechanics, PC repair, bookkeeping, legal assistant, medical office assistant, hotel restaurant management, learning the personal computer, electronics, or get your degree you can major in business management or accounting. ICS gives you everything you need, so call right now. Call now for the free information Sally Struthers spoke about. Then decide if you want to train at home for a better career to make more money. Call 1-800-367-8700. That's 1-800-367-8700. Maybe worse is if that was called the IBS Career Center. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. The IBS Career Center for the people with irritable bowel syndrome. This concludes the evening news. And now back to the ACT Computer Studio in Cape Coral, Florida. <laughs> And that's going to Evidently, gonna... she actually had IBS. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, and that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the What's in Your Head podcast. We want to thank everybody for uh, coming on. And uh, thank you, Martin. And um, thank you, everybody, for in- hanging out with us like you always do. And please, like I said before, share us with a friend. Share the love. Let everybody know yeah, we're share here. Share us with an enemy. I don't share, care. Yeah, share, share us. us with anybody. Share us with people who might be offended with us because people who are offended often listen the most to see what we're going to say next to offend them. And generates actual more interest. So. so thank you guys so much for everything, and we will talk to you all later. This has been a Digital 410 production. <laughs>